Well, good morning. I know that most of you recognize me, not my back, but my face. Uh, but for those of you who don't, my name is Roman Wally, and I'm the college pastor here at Grace. Um, and this is going to be the, four, uh, the first, not the fourth, the first out of four total weeks that we're going to be together, and I'm going to be leading us through the book of Ruth, which I'm really excited about. It's a book that's really close to my heart, uh, so I'm looking forward to getting into it this morning. I have a spoiler alert for you, just right on the front end though. You're not in for a normal sermon this morning. Uh, this morning, actually what we're going to do is we're actually going to read through the whole book of Ruth from beginning to end, just as a big family. Okay, and you might be wondering, why are we going to do that? <laughs> why are we going to be using our valuable time in that way? Well, this week was a little crazy for me, and I kind of lost track of time, and then I woke up Friday morning and I thought, well, what are we going to do Sunday morning? No, no. <laughs> I've been planning this for a long time. <laughs> Um, and all along the way, I knew that our first weekend was going to be spending time to read the whole book of Ruth together. There's a ton of reasons why this is good and healthy and beneficial for us, okay? And I'm just going to cover two this morning, why it's good for us to sit down and together as a family open up and read the book of Ruth. First one is this, to best experience the beauty of the book of Ruth, we've got to read the whole thing, Okay? If we're going to appreciate this work of literature, which is amazing, we've got to read the whole thing together. And then secondly, is that when God's people get together and they listen to long passages of God's word, God shows up and he does things. We see this in the scriptures, and I'm going to talk about both of these things, okay? So to best experience the beauty, the gorgeousness that is the book of Ruth, we've got to read the whole thing. This is a gorgeous piece of literature. And I'm not just saying that. Bible scholars repeatedly suggest that this book is the best crafted work of literature in the whole Bible from beginning to end. And to really get a glimpse of it, to see it in all of its life and all of its fullness, we have to read it from beginning to end. We have to see the whole before we dig into the parts. If we get too quickly to where we're dissecting and examining small parts, it's too easy to lose the big picture. So I want to explain it to you this way. Think of the beauty of a white-tailed deer, okay? We're all in East Texas. We're kind of familiar with this animal. Whether you're walking through the woods or whether you're driving along the side of the road and you see a herd of them over to the side, all of our eyes are just drawn to these animals, fixated on them. They're powerful they're majestic, they're swift and elegant. There's just something about a white-tailed deer that just captures you. Now I want you to think for a moment that you got a friend or a family member coming into town, some city slicker who's never seen a white-tailed deer. How weird. And you're thinking, this is a travesty. This person has got to see this animal. So what are you going to do to try to show them that? Are you going to take them to a deer meat processor and say, here it is, in all of its glory, right there. They're going to look at it and say, well, it's a little stiff now and parts of it are missing, but I'm sure it was beautiful. See, this is, this is the way that we often treat books of Scripture. To see something in its beauty, in its fullness, is to see it in its natural habitat. If you want to show somebody a white-tailed deer, you take them out in the woods and you see it bounding through to see it in all of its life and fullness. This is the natural habitat for the book of Ruth. The gathered people of God and it being read aloud in totality. These are what these books were written for. And when we do this together, we are appreciating its original intent. Okay? So that's the first reason. Secondly, there is power whenever God's people gather together 
and just listen to long passages of God's word. God shows up in power and blesses his word whenever his people just humble themselves and listen with open, receptive hearts. And we see this repeatedly in scripture. We see Israel's very much like us. Like you read the Bible and you're like, you idiots. And then you realize, oh, that's me too, right? Israel's much like us. They're broken and sinful people and they easily forget who God is, who they are, and how they're supposed to live. But at key points in the story of Israel, godly leaders gather God's people together and they have God's word read at length. And then God shows up and does something. And so if you were to go over and you were to look at 2 Kings chapter 23, 2 Kings chapter 23 is where Josiah gathers God's people together. It's been a really dark time in history. Gather God's people together, has God's word read over them. And this is the beginning of a reform movement. Later in the Bible, Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra the scribe does the same thing. He gathers God's people together. He has God's word read over them, and it births repentance and rejoicing for God's people. When God's people sit and listen to the word of God with open, receptive hearts, God shows up in power. We are listening to the book of Ruth together. We are reading the book of Ruth together. Yes, to appreciate its beauty, but not just that. This is the living and active word of God, and he works through it in power when we sit together under it. And this is why we're reading, not because I forgot to write a sermon, okay? (laughs) So one last note. Uh, We're going to be going through what's called an interpretive reading this morning. What you're going to see up here uh, projected is the text of Ruth, and the major part of it has been drawn straight from the English Standard Version, okay? But there are significant interpretations that have entered into the text. I'm about to explain that here in a second. But before I explain that, here's something. If, I want you to think real quick about how you best appreciate a story. Some of us like to listen, and so if that's you, that's great. Some of us like to read along. And so if you can see the text up here, you can take a look and see, then that's great too. But if you have a hard time seeing the text up on this prompter, would you just raise your hand? There's no shame. Would you raise your hand? Because we have hard copies that I'd like for you to have, and we have a couple Connect people who are going to walk around and hand them to you if you cannot read very easily. So if you would, just go ahead and raise your hand and let somebody know. They'll be walking around so they can give you one. It doesn't matter, young or old, okay? As they're doing that, let me explain. You can see in this text where there is white, and then you can see in this text where there is yellow, Where there is yellow, this is where interpretation has entered into the process, okay? So the white is the text that has been drawn straight from the ESV, but then after a lot of study, what I've done is I have drawn in some interpretive comments to help bring clarity to the surface. So there might be places where I've retranslated a word to help draw out its meaning a little bit more. There might be places where I've inserted a phrase or sentences or even a couple sentences to explain biblical historical or cultural background because here's the reality the book of ruth is an ancient jewish text and we are reading it in 2018 as people in nacogdoches there's a bit of a gap right and so what i've tried to do is try to help us read it naturally to understand it more clearly not to correct the text i want you to hear that very very clearly i am not correcting 
the text of the book of Ruth. The word of God is pure, it is without error, it stands in need of no correction. However, all of us here, a Bible teacher or pastor, read the book of the text of the scriptures, and then with their words, explain more clearly what's going on so that we understand it better. That's exactly what this is doing. It's seeking to read the text and explain it clearly. I've written this as a tool for us. This is going to be sent out in the weekly email, and I want to encourage all of us just to spend some time in this book. I think you'll be surprised at the things that God would do. I've highlighted some themes. I've given us some prayer requests that we can read and pray as we're going through this this month. If you uh, want to, you can grab a hard copy on your way out this morning. Um, There's a limited amount, so if we run out, I'll make some more for next week. But without further ado, let's jump into the book of Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, when chaos and wickedness dominated instead of a godly king, and when even the best of Israel's leaders could not lead her to true faithfulness to their God, Yahweh, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, a people judged by God because they had been evil towards Israel in the past. This man went with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from the small, humble town of Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. And both Mahlon and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. And she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that Yahweh had visited his people and given them food. So she went out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house, May Yahweh be exceedingly good and faithful towards you as you have been towards my dead family and me. May Yahweh grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of a new husband. For in these ancient times, not having a husband meant not having protection and provision. And she kissed them, and they lifted their voices and wept. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? No, my daughters. For it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of Yahweh has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth made a bold, solemn oath. Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, 
I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May Yahweh do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Thus, Ruth committed to go to a place as a poor widow, from a foreign, despised land, all out of love for Naomi. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was abuzz because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and Yahweh has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? When Yahweh has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. So, Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem, literally house of bread, at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, here's an important side note. Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose eyes I shall find favor. God gave commands to Israel to allow the poor, the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners to gather the scraps of grain that harvesters dropped or left unpicked. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And by a stroke of sheer luck, she just happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was related to Naomi's dead husband, Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, Yahweh be with you. And the reapers said to him, Yahweh bless you. And Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she's continued from early morning except until now, except for a short rest. And Boaz walked over and said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but cling to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them, and I will be certain to command the young men not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and your mother in your native land, and you came to a people that you did not know before. May Yahweh repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here, eat some bread, dip your morsel in the wine. And so she sat beside the reapers, and he passed her her roasted grain. 
Sharing a meal symbolized warm acceptance. Thus, Boaz was warmly welcoming Ruth, the Moabite foreigner, into his group. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, not just what falls on the ground, and do not reproach her. Also, pull some out from your bundles and just drop it on the ground for her. Leave it for her to glean and don't rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. And she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was an ephah of barley, about six whopping gallons of grain. And she took it up and went to the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She brought out and gave her what she had left over, even after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by Yahweh, because his exceeding goodness and faithfulness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers, one of our relatives whose responsibility it is to help us in the midst of our trials. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my servants all throughout this season of harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be molested. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? And is not Boaz our relative, with whose young woman you were? Now look. He's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor, where men separate the grain from the chaff outside of town, and they sleep by their grain piles to prevent thieves from stealing them. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak. Do yourself up nice. Go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking when he is satisfied and in a good mood. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, and then go, uncover his feet, and lie down, and then he will tell you what to do. Now the plan is to get Ruth and Boaz to discuss matters in private, because it was seen as disrespectful for a woman to initiate publicly towards an unmarried man not in her family. But it was a risky plan that could go bad. Ruth could be seen as a loose woman. Boaz could potentially take sexual advantage of Ruth. Ruth replied, all that you say I will do. And so she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And at midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. This is shocking. Ruth is a younger woman initiating towards an older man in a patriarchal society. She is a servant approaching a master. She is a foreigner approaching a native. And she's calling on him to make this commitment. And he said, may you be blessed by Yahweh, my daughter, 
You have made this deed of abundant goodness and faithfulness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. With her choice of husbands, Ruth could have married a poor man out of love, a rich man out of personal benefit, but she chose Boaz, who as a redeemer could bring aid to Naomi as well. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I, who has first dibs on fulfilling and helping his role, helping, fulfilling his role in helping you and Naomi. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as Yahweh lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before anyone could recognize her. And he said to his reapers, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And she replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And look, just at that moment, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. He turned aside and he sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city, men with whom he did official business in that day, and he said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And the Redeemer said, I will redeem it. Boaz quickly interjected, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. In other words, being a redeemer in this case meant more than just buying and cultivating land for himself. It meant not only doing the costly labor of cultivating land, it also meant marrying a widow and begetting a raising his son to inherit that land and continue the family line of his dead father. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech, all that belonged to Kilion and Mahlon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Mahlon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. 
May Yahweh make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May she be a fertile and foundational woman in Israel's history. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem, and may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, to whom God promised royal descendants, because of the offspring that Yahweh will give you by this woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and Yahweh granted her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Praise Yahweh, who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. This boy shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more than seven sons to you, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his caretaker. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered Aminadab, Aminadab fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. And as a mighty king in Israel with a heart full of faith towards God, David would end the days of wicked lawlessness during the period of the judges. David would set the standard for the rest of God's kings in Israel and would ultimately be the ancestor of an even greater king to come. The book of Ruth. Let me pray to close this. Almighty God, you have chosen to speak through the handwriting of men in history who tell stories. Lord, would you captivate our hearts and our minds? Would you speak to us through this book as we spend time in it this month? Lord, where there is suffering in our body, would you comfort and remind that you are attentive and good? Lord, where our hearts are distracted and focused on ourselves. Open our eyes to see the beautiful opportunities to love all around us. You are good. Fill our hearts with a recognition of that so we live out your goodness towards others. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.